This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, guys? In case you haven't heard, Blue Wire Studios just dropped their first original podcast, Golden Goal. The show gives you 10-minute episodes all about soccer legends and the moments that made them. Whether you're just learning about soccer for the first time or a diehard fan, this podcast is a great listen for everyone. The final two episodes are live right now or binge the entire season to learn about your favorite soccer stars. Check out Blue Wire's Golden Goal, available anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Blue Wire. Think about Lois. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott. Dodge the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence. A lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Welcome into episode 87 of Press Pass, brought to you by Bet Online. I'm Kayla Anderson alongside my co host Joshua Perry, getting off to a great start this morning. How are you doing, Joshua? How was your week? And I know it's burning hot up there in Columbus, same down here in Nashville. Yeah, no, um, my Ooh. week was, it was cool. It, it's, it's ridiculous. And like I, um, I'd spent four hours on Sunday showing real estate. Oh, and I was sweating <laughs> through my polo. It was it's just hot as all get out. So how do you control that when you're like showing houses, but you don't want to like be like dripping wet when you're all done? Like, is there a is there a special key to that? No, I just I tell my clients like I'm a big dude. I'm, I'm about to be sweating and they just oh have to understand it. Um, now, the other thing, too. And I've kind of forgotten about it since my AC's working again. But my AC went out for a good 36 hours. Ooh. Um, so it was like 79 degrees inside my condo. Okay, that's not cool. Yeah. So Did you just have fans in there that were? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, at least you had those. But still, it doesn't do much good when you're dealing with the heat that we're dealing with. I mean, Columbus, I lived there for three years. It gets humid up there. And then down here in the south, of course, in Nashville, that humidity is just what really gets you. Um, and it's hard to cool things down when you have that. I was actually kind of opposite of you this last week in terms of being out in the elements. So NFL training camps haven't started up yet. I'm sure I'll have a lot to um, complain about in terms of heat when that happens. But I was actually in an ice rink all week. So as much as it was disgustingly like 90 something degrees in humidity outside, I was in a ice rink covering uh, the return of NHL and training camp for the Predators. But what's crazy about that, Joshua, is you don't know how to dress for yeah. days like that. I'm yeah. like sitting here with three coats in, the, in my back seat 
so that when I go into the rink, I have something to put on. And then the minute I walk outside of it, it's like, I've got to take off three layers. It's the most absurd thing ever. No, it is wild. But I, I think there's something to be said on that topic of, um, of having to record media with the elements, because I, I typically yeah. work from the studio, but I've done on location work as well. My scope of on location, thankfully, though, has been like the the Big Ten Conference Championship game. So we were inside Lucas Oil Stadium, temperature controlled. I, I did some stuff at the Rose Bowl. Again, we were like in a tent. It had fans and everything, so temperature controlled. Now, yeah. when we were outside of the Rose Bowl the day of the game doing our shows, started off kind of warm. It wasn't too bad. Um, so I had my suit on. By the end of the day, I had to put a sweater on top of my dress shirt and then my suit jacket on because it was that chilly. It's a that's desert, chilly. so it gets super yeah. cold at night. Thankfully, I've not had to deal with the super hot weather, though, because I know that is just terrible. And, you know, your makeup is all kind of crazy. In case people didn't know, guys wear makeup. Guys wear makeup. Um, yeah, and so yeah. that was something I had to learn how to deal with in and of itself. I couldn't imagine, like, the sweat factor on top of the makeup as well, so. Well, on the note of that, and we'll get into our topics in a minute, but on the note of that, Joshua, I'm already preparing for NFL training camps. Specifically, I'm covering the Titans, but here's the thing. We have to wear masks. Like We're allowed to go to practice and watch, but we have to wear masks. And I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, well, yeah, I'm going to go out to practice. I want to see what's going on with these guys every day. I want to see what's looking good, what's not. Um, be able to take that and put it on Twitter. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't want some crazy face mask like lines all over me and then have to go on camera and try to cover them all up. I know it seems like a stupid thing to complain about, but when your profession is going on camera every day, it kind of is legit, right? Yeah. No, I, so I thought I about that as well. Because I was thinking how the in-studio setup might be when I get back to Chicago. And like, for example, if they make us wear uh, a mask in the green room or when we're walking around the building, I was thinking about the same exact thing. Like you might, Mm -hmm. whether it's your makeup or just an indentation from where the straps were on your mask or whatever the case is, you'd be looking crazy. Oh, I know. It's so whoever can come up with some like amazing mask that is going to help all of our um, on-air problems, I will just forever be thankful. Maybe I should get in on that. Okay. You should. Right? I could I could make some dollar bills off that. Okay, let's get into some topics. You know, this week and we'd had this discussion before we popped on here. It it is a little bit slow in terms of new uh headlines because we're just in this waiting period. And I know we all said, okay, this could be a crucial week for making decisions. Um we're nearing the end of July and it looks like decisions are being pushed back just a little bit more. So we start by one decision that was made. And I know a couple other conferences have pretty much said, this is what we're doing as well. But media days were canceled by the PAC 12 this past week. They, they were supposed to have it July 29th or the 31st. Now it's a yet to be determined date. I doubt that that's even going to happen if you ask me. Most other conferences have done the same thing in terms of postponing what was their virtual media days because they all changed that. Now, the Big 12, though, Joshua, is still set to hold its media days virtually on August 3rd. I mean, I I could possibly see this happening just because maybe they want to be one of the conferences that's like, you know what, we're going to do it. 
Yeah, and I wouldn't be mad at them for doing uh, Now, I will say, I think the idea of a virtual media day from a media standpoint, obviously, we want the content. We want to get people excited if we're going to play ball, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but from a player and coach standpoint, I feel like that is a waste of time. And um, yeah. I was a part of the crew in 2015 that represented Ohio State and Chicago at Big Ten Media Days, and it was fantastic. It was a great experience. I got to fly on a private jet to Chicago. Um, oh, cool. You know, yeah, we got to see the city. And so I think for players, it is definitely typically a reward to be able to do that because a lot of players get to experience that same thing. Like, you know, the boosters will pony up some money because it's only yeah. three guys and they'll yep. put them on a jet and they'll fly them to whatever the city is. And it's awesome. This year it's going to be so different. Like as a player, I feel like that's one more thing on their plate that they have to do virtually. And, and you know, it's just going to be a little bit bogged down and everything else. Now, in line with, and we we talked about this a little bit before the show started, but in line with postponing media days, I think this is kind of the theme of, of where we're at right now with college football, mm-hmm. and I, I want your input, but I think there's a real chance that instead of getting news this week like we might have anticipated a couple of weeks ago, I think there's a legitimate chance that uh, the universities start kicking the can down the road and say, well, you know, we haven't made a decision but we know that we're pushing our start date our start date back to October, for example. I think that's a legit option at this point. I think it is too. That's a great point. You know, I, I heard this week that SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey told the Dan Patrick show that their decision that was supposed to be made at the end of July is now being pushed to perhaps the beginning of August. So it looks like the SEC is starting to delay, you know, what it will be doing. And so I think that's inevitable that we see things and decisions starting to be made later and later because I think they want to keep the hope of playing college football this season. And I think they're just holding on to hope that these numbers continue to go down sure. so that that is uh, a reality that we could perhaps, you know, see guys out there playing games. So I think you are onto something there. And I know that that's not probably what a lot of, college football fans want to hear in terms of just waiting for an answer. But at the same time, it's almost a good thing because it looks like they're doing whatever they can to try to keep the hope alive, Yes, um, which they're probably putting more plans in place. If they do have to delay it to October, you know, there's going to be certain things that they'll have to do within the schedules and everything. But I don't think that they're giving up on the season yet. It's just really hard for me though, to look around and again, see the inconsistencies with all of the conferences, it makes my head absolutely spin because I feel like I can't keep up with what each conference is doing, what games they've canceled. I had just seen the other day, Joshua, that the SEC, uh, Alabama, is in works with their home opener now with BYU. Sure. And I'm going, they're already making plans for a new home opener because – Clearly, the Pac-12 is not playing um, non-conference games. And Alabama was scheduled to open with USC. BYU was scheduled to open with Utah. So now they're like, oh, let's get together and do this home opener. But it's hard for me to even imagine that that's going on when we don't even know what's happening with college football. And but and that's, that's kind of the wild thing. You're, you're absolutely right. It's like, you know, how do you reconcile at the end of the year with potentially, you know, Big Ten Conference plays? 10 games and the sec manages to get a full 12 game schedule out of their season. Um, that's kind of the first thing, but I also think 
it's not necessarily a bad thing though. And and with this, you know, we're pushing our timeline and decision back. You're trying to keep the runway as long as possible. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, you also want to keep your options as open as possible. So having that line of communication on potential opponents, replacement opponents, doesn't necessarily mean that those games are going to happen. But yeah. it means that if if you can get to a point where you can justify it, you're not scrambling at the last minute. So I, I, I think there's a lot of uh, defensive planning going on, I guess you can say, for some of these conferences and trying to stay intact with uh, what their idea of a season was maybe a month ago. Mm-hmm. Um, the reality of the situation, though, I don't think that we necessarily get there. I think they're just trying to make sure that option's still open in case we do. Yeah, I, I will tell you one thing. I think about this every day uh, when I see a new story come out about college football. I, I would love to be like a fly on the wall or somebody who is invited in to kind of shadow one of these commissioners every day because it would just be incredible to see like what they're doing on a daily basis to stay updated to make plans to change plans it would really be incredible i'm i'm telling you like an like an e60 on this off season or just college football this season would be crazy so yeah, yeah, I think in 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 line with that, we should be the ones to uh, produce a documentary on uh, this year in sports because we could kill it. Right? Okay, just it, plug out there. Anybody who needs some producers and some talent for doing this uh, segment, we're here. We could definitely hold it down. All right. Well, sports are coming back as we've been talking about, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. And there's no better place to start than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Get in on the action for this week's big UFC fight or check out odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and the Premier League. Can't wait for your team to come back? Well, Bet Online has future odds, including win totals, division winners, and even league championships. Or check out our daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit betonline.ag. Use that promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That is promo code BLUEWIRE, BetOnline, your online waging experts. So when I came across this headline the other day, I'm thinking to myself, why in the world are we talking about this in the situation that we're in, which we don't even know if football is going to be played uh, on the college level? And of course, then I saw what school was by it, and it was Texas. Hmm. So the University of Texas, amongst all this other stuff that's going on, they have not come out with a plan saying that they're you know, going to play just conference games or whatever. They have not had much come out of the Big 12. Uh, the University of Texas says it anticipates hosting football games this season at 50% capacity. This was being talked about a month ago, a month and a half ago by some of these schools, but now in the middle of numbers rising, especially, may I note, in Texas, this is coming out. So the athletic director actually emailed season ticket holders Monday and said they're working closely with the governor's office to follow guidelines, social distancing, to try to make this happen. And they, of course, are still preparing for their opener September 5th against South Florida. I just think it's nuts. Why would you even put this out there? Why? Why well, right now? I, I think you can. I can get you two reasons. Is <laughs> number one, they legitimately are uh, trying to salvage some revenue, so they're you know they Ooh. can 
if they can pre-sell some of these tickets to get a little cash flow in, you know, it helps their bottom line, et cetera, et cetera. But number two, and I think this this really might be uh, where they're at, is um, it's like it's it's really a marketing tactic where you gauge the market. So you put out some information. Hey, we're going to do games yeah. at fifty percent capacity, yep. and then you see how the the general buying public feels about that. Yep. Oh, fifty percent's too much. Oh, you guys are crazy. Or oh yeah, no, that's a great idea. And then you kind of make a decision off that because if you get a ton of blowback then you know 30% down from 50% doesn't sound nearly as bad. Um, if you don't get any blowback, then you just roll with the 50%. Sure. So I, I think it's unique. And, 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 and here's the other justification too. So Florida out of control with Corona cases. Yeah. Disney opens back up, right? So yeah. if you're Texas True. and your numbers aren't necessarily stabilized, but you, you say, hey, if Disney can open back up, then we can have half of our fans in the stadium. I think you can also try to you can you can try to justify uh some of the stuff that's going on now me personally i don't know if i'm doing it but from a business standpoint i can understand why somebody would want to do it i just don't think it's a great yeah and i just i think i'm i'm fine with when numbers were going down i'm yes. i'm cool with saying hey let's open up the possibility of inviting fans in this season but you know, then things completely changed. And again, I, I just had seen something on the news too, that there are certain states that are um, not allowing people from other states to come into their state sure. um, because of the amount of virus, the, the amount of um, positive cases. And Texas is one of those states. So it, it's not like Texas is a state that's seeing numbers go down or whatever. They've seen the opposite. Uh, but yet they're like, oh, yeah, hey, we're going to, you know, probably have fans in the stands. We don't even know if we're going to play, but hey, we'll throw it out there. But you're right on. I mean, they're definitely gauging uh, their their audience, their their um, fan base to see, you know, what they say. And look, I'll tell you right now, I would guess that a lot of those season ticket holders would probably be like, yeah, we'll yeah. we'll come. If you're inviting us, we're going to come watch a game yeah. I, I mean, there. That's how. We are, as a, I guess, diehard fans, especially in college, that's a whole nother level. And people are just dying to see something in person. I'm sure that, that they'll be like, yeah, okay, well, sure. And, and you get to the folks too, which I think, um, you know, it's important to point out. There are people who will tell you they haven't missed a game in 35, 40, 50 years, right? Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, there there are folks who this is all they say for all year. They don't make a ton of money at their job. They, they live very frugally mm -hmm. so they can enjoy going to whatever their college stadium is and spending their, all their Saturdays throughout the season, following the team and traveling and going to the games and all that kind of stuff. So you're 100% right. Like there, there are, there's going to be a contingent of fans who regardless of, you know, what the threat of COVID is, regardless of what the capacity in the stadium and the protocol and everything else they're going to find a way to try to be at every game that they can attend. Yep. That's that's you're right on the money on that one. And here's another thing and we'll have to talk about this, you know, when things start to really come out and plans start to be put in place. I could also see this happening this year. You know, there's there's some colleges that allow fans this year and then obviously there's others that are not going to allow it and just when you think of about how unfair this season is going to be as a whole, just with everything that goes on, like at the end, you're just going to put in parentheses in this season, like, like nothing was fair, you know, like yeah. 
Yeah. Like a, a, a this was a little bit effed up. Like. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. So I, I, I just think that'll be interesting when it's all said and done. So this is something that caught my eye this past week. And I immediately sent you the article or I tagged you in it on Twitter. So I was going, you know, through some websites, obviously came upon ESPN. They had done an article on big name coaches that have not taken pay cuts yet. And this was kind of a, a survey that was done by ESPN who had talked with a lot of the universities and the athletic departments on what's going on with budgets and so on and so forth. So they came up with the fact that nearly half of major college football and men's basketball coaches have taken voluntary pay cuts in response to everything that's going on because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Because we know that universities are struggling right now with some of their athletic departments and losing money and so on and so forth. So here's the thing, though. Most of the highest paid coaches have actually not taken pay cuts, sure. which is crazy to me. So eight of the top 10 paid football coaches, all whom earn more money than anyone else at their schools, have not taken pay cuts. Let me list a few of them. No surprise at the top. Clemson football coach Dabo Sweeney, who this past year earned $9.3 million. Alabama's Nick Saban, $8.9 million. Texas A&M's Jimbo Fisher, $7.5 million. Texas football head coach and Joshua Perry's favorite guy, Tom Herman, $6.75 million. Texas Tom. So those are some of the guys, the highest paid football coaches, Joshua, that have not taken a pay cut. Meanwhile, I don't know if I've ever given credit to Jim Harbaugh for anything since he's been sure. at Michigan, but he has taken a pay cut. And so has a guy I really like, Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. No surprise there. Thoughts yeah. on this whole um, survey that they did? Are you surprised by anything? No, and this is interesting. First off, I want to talk about this word voluntary. So I think two <laughs> things. Like you're, I don't think anybody was like, oh, they approached their AD. Hey, let me give some of my money back. Like their AD yeah. definitely approached them as like, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Um, we're going to frame it as voluntary. But I also, not to to say that what these folks are doing isn't a good thing because anytime money's tight, anywhere you can find an extra few dollars helps. Um, if it's a 10% pay cut and somebody's making $5 million, then their pay would go from 5 million to four and a half million. Still a ton of money that they would make that half a million dollars, I feel like is a drop in the bucket for a lot of these athletic departments. So these pay cuts, I'm not going to say that they're necessarily just for show, but, you know, that half a million dollars isn't going to save the field hockey program. If they're no. going to make cuts, they're going to make cuts. So I think it's important to keep that context. And this is, again, people's jobs in the balance. But if, if you really wanted to save money, like, you know, those extra 15 staffers that the football team has um, that aren't necessarily essential to the operation of the team, that's where you start to look at some of those roles. And I, I wish all those people could be employed, but like, you know, they're, some of these athletic departments are huge and they employ a lot of people. But I think this is this is kind of indicative of a haves and have nots type situation in college football. And, and we talked about this a little bit, but like, you know, Clemson is a huge brand now. Alabama's been a brand. Texas A&M has a ton of money flowing through it. Texas has a big athletic department, lots of money. Um, these coaches don't have to uh, take pay cuts. 
you know, whether they want yeah. to or not, they absolutely and clearly they don't have to. You know, Jim Harbaugh in Michigan, the way that they've structured his contract, I think it's indicative of how frugal they are because um, they've they've structured it through uh, life insurance and annuities and everything else. And, and they're just smart when it comes to the money. So I think Michigan probably could have let him take his full salary just because of how intelligent they've been with the finances. But um, I think it also plays into their their financial savvy for him to to take a pay cut. Now on this list, one name that we didn't read was yep. Ryan Day. Yep. Ryan Day actually hasn't taken a pay cut, but interestingly enough, he's making $5.3 million this year. Yeah. You know who else is going to make $5.3 million this year? Who? Pat Fitzgerald and his, you know, private school. So they're not going to expose his contract, but it's been reported that he's in the $5 million a year range. They pay him a ton of money. You know who makes more than $5.3 million this year? Is Jeff Brom, the head coach of Purdue. I was going to ask him the Big Ten. Yep. Yep. So when when you're looking at the way that Ryan Day's salary stacks up against um, Big Ten coaches who have achieved less than he has in Ryan Day's just year and you know, they, they actually, this is a contract that, that has, uh, he, he restructured and re-signed a, an extension, Ryan Day did. So his salary is going to continue to go up. But the fact of the matter is, um, he hasn't taken a pay cut, big athletic department, but he's grossly underpaid for oh, what yeah. he's achieved. So it's, moral of the story is, um, when, when Alabama doesn't have to reduce Nick Saban's salary, I think it shows you where college football is headed, where there's a chance that after this corona thing is over, um, some of these big schools could throw their weight around, you know, just based off of their cachet on the field, but also their finances and say, you know what, we're going to call our own shot and we're going to do this independent of uh, yep. the NCAA, which I think yep. would be a really unique twist. Which I think everything is headed in the direction, especially after this crazy um, year that we're going to see or not see. I don't know. I think that the. The, the talk that I have heard is that the NCAA is, you know, clearly not doing anything. And they're thinking about, hey, why don't we have an actual, like, commissioner of commissioners? Right. You know, so, which I think would be an interesting thing um, well, to have some sort of, you know, I guess, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Um something in terms of putting things on the same page. Yeah. Like a national framework. Yeah. That's kind of, I mean, I don't think it's a bad idea. I agree. So this is my idea though, because the NCAA is absolutely useless in my mind, like literally useless. If, If you're the college football playoff, why wouldn't you, just go ahead and come out and, and, and create a national framework and like a, a plan sure. to return to play, you know, a framework for how everything's going to go. You know, this is how many games that we would expect you to play if you're a power five school and you want to be eligible for a postseason tournament, like all that kind of stuff. I think if the CFP did that, then the natural transition away from the NCAA would be that the CFP is really the king of college football. And, and you would kind of, whether it's power five, on its own, or you can include group of five or whatever it is. But like now the CFP becomes the true governing body of college football and the NCAA at that point becomes obsolete. I think that would be a unique transition. It would just take for the CFP to decide like, all right, we're going to be the king of this thing and we're going to lead college football through it. And I think that that could very well happen. I mean, whether it happens next year or in the next couple of years, 
I think that would be a great thing. Uh, it would make sense. Uh, I think everybody would like to see something like that. So if we get past this year and getting past all of this stuff that we're dealing with, uh, maybe that's the next thing on the agenda. But this has definitely brought that all into light. I do want to add a, a kind of a bonus little segment here because I know that we're a college football podcast, but I wanted to take advantage of the situation where I have a former NFL player on here right now and who could chime in about what I would kind of like to pick your brain about. And it's looking like there is not going to be a single preseason game this year in the yeah. NFL. Um, that is that is what the league came to to uh, to the NFL PA and of course the players didn't want it and so it looks like we are not going to have any preseason games before we close up shop today I'm just curious as to what you think about this yeah it's interesting um, as a player I wasn't a fan of the preseason I think it's uh, you know the season's already long enough and it's just a lot of reps and especially I was a guy who was like a back half of the roster type of player anyway so I played a ton of reps during the preseason, but then I also played during the regular season, um, mostly on special teams, but I was rotational on defense. And so by the end of the yeah. year, you're, you're banged up and your body just, cause you never really get that break. Um, oh, so from yeah. that standpoint, I, I hated the preseason, but there, there is truly a value to it. I know if you are a back half of the roster yeah. kind of guy. So I think in this scenario, it was a lot of, um, you know, some of the, the guys who are more secure in their roster spots who felt like, uh, they needed to advocate for uh, more player safety, which I understand from the regard right. of playing less preseason games, but they're also not worried about making teams. Now, here's where it gets interesting, though, is a lot of folks are like, well, what about the undrafted free agents? And what about the, you know, the yeah. guy in the vet minimum contract and all that? And this would be my reply is the preseason games are great because everybody, every team gets to evaluate the preseason games. That tape is distributed throughout the league. But we we say it like it's in a vacuum of these guys don't go to practice every day and these teams can't evaluate them. It's not preseason's not about making your roster. It's about potentially making somebody else's roster if you get cut. In my mind, that's how I view it. Because they watch you practice every day. They know what player you are. Sure. But I also think that there is a a legitimate case for expanded rosters this year because of the coronavirus. So if you're an undrafted free agent, if you're a guy in a vet minimum contract, there would be more opportunities in theory because you feel like the rosters are going to have more turnover. I think there's going to be a higher rate of injury because guys haven't been able to go through OTAs. They haven't been uh, with their teams training, all that other kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, there's going to be a high rate of turnover due to the coronavirus because I do believe that um, regardless of all the safety measures, somebody's going to get it. It's just naturally what happens. Yep. And so if you have a corona squad, for example, if you have you know, uh, uh, an expanded IR, if they expand the roster, the active roster, even, um, I think that the lack of preseason games would be made up with more opportunities for guys to get shots to make a roster during the season. Yeah, all great points. Um, I wonder, Joshua, if this will be the end of preseason games as we know it. I hope it is. Forward. <laughs> I, I, and yeah. so here's, here's the deal. Um, in a typical preseason, you would scrimmage probably twice against other teams. So, yeah. like, you would at least have the opportunity to show what you could do against two other teams in practice. Again, that tape maybe isn't distributed all, all across the league, but maybe for the scrimmage aspect of it, there could be an agreement throughout the league that scrimmage tape is distributed. And then those 
kind of act as a de facto preseason game for players who are trying to make rosters. Um, mm-hmm. If anything, I think this is a legitimate case to shorten the preseason, not just to two games, but maybe even to just one preseason game. Your vet yeah. guys aren't going to play. You have plenty of chance to evaluate young players in that scenario. But yeah, preseason is, is and, and again, I'm, I can go on for the days about this too, but <laughs> if, if you're a rookie this year, uh, you make $610,000, I believe. Okay. So across 17 weeks, that is $35,882.35 a game that you would make. In the preseason, you make 1200 bucks a week. So it's literally not worth it for you to get up nope. and, and, and even suit up for a preseason game. So just from that perspective, too, it doesn't make sense financially for players to play in them. Well, you, you, that's what I wanted. That's why I wanted to bring it up, just so that we could get kind of a player, former player's thoughts on the preseason game firsthand, because I know majority of them um, did not want to play preseason games. Um, it was always kind of a, a thing that was talked about. I know that, you know, I even think fans, as much as they get excited to have something to watch before the season starts, I don't think much, many fans cared for the preseason. Kayla. You've been in the stadiums during oh, preseason I games. It's I like, mean, what is this? and nobody's watching them on TV. No, I mean, it, the reality of the situation. You're 100 right. I think it's 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 literally it's a tool, but it, players yeah, yeah. really don't like it. Fans really aren't that interested, and I think there's a, a a way that you can evaluate players without doing it. Yep. No, you're exactly right. So it looks like again we're not going to see any preseason games this season, but it does look like we will have. Uh, an NFL season, which is great. So that will do it for this episode of Press Pass. Again, we always thank you guys for listening. And if you would like to subscribe, if you don't subscribe yet, just go to Apple Podcasts and you can type in Press Pass, subscribe, give us a rate and review. We always appreciate that. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kayla Anderson TV. You can follow us on Instagram at Press Pass Pod, where we um, pretty much let you know when our episodes will drop. And then Joshua Perry, who is always very interactive on his Twitter. Where can they go to find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at RIP underscore JEP. Um, on, on the Twitter, we actually have some cool content uh, that I I did elsewhere. Um, so y'all can find that a little look back at the 2014 nice. national championship season. Yeah. So oh, um, enjoy. That was, speaking of that season, because I always brag about it, because I was able to cover it and uh, just experience that with y'all on the field. Um, Obviously, I didn't go out there and shed my blood, sweat, and tears, but I did feel like I was part of, you know, something very cool with that being the first ever college football playoff. So I know what you're saying, man. That was such a magical year. Um, Definitely something to look out for uh, on Joshua's timeline. Hey, we appreciate it, man. Hopefully we'll be back here next week with some updated news, perhaps, maybe? Perhaps. Perhaps. All right, y'all, take care.